What does it mean to be a German citizen who is the daughter of two Iranian parents? In this episode, Diba shares with us her experiences of growing up in Dresden and Hamburg in Germany in the 90s, and how living in different communities taught her to navigate different worlds. Her story is also about why and how she co-founded an organization that seeks to diversify the German Federal Service. I'm Fumi, this is Hashigar Racism, and this is the story of Diba. I was born in Iran and I moved to Germany with my family when I was three years old. So that was 1995. So kind of shortly after the German reunification and we moved to the east of Germany. So we moved to Dresden. I don't know if you know that uh, city. It's, It's kind of a big city in Germany. And Living there for for the first six years in Germany, so until I was nine, we lived in Dresden, and I think it's safe to say that that I was pretty much the only one looking the way that I did. So I was not blonde, I did not have blue eyes, I had dark hair, dark eyes, darker skin than the others, and living in East Germany, I mean, I I think you've probably heard a lot about racism in East Germany, and I cannot really talk about how it is now because I haven't been there anymore after moving to Hamburg. But what I can say is that back then in the 90s, it was probably the worst place you could live in when you didn't look white. And it was a pretty difficult childhood, actually, because I just felt excluded all the time. Nobody wanted to, I mean, I was a kid, but nobody wanted to play with me. I was the only one all the time in my class who wasn't invited to birthday parties or to anything, basically. And, you know, when I think about it now, until two, three years ago, when I thought about it, I was like, I probably thought that maybe the kids just didn't like me, or maybe I wasn't smart enough, not, I don't know, pretty enough, not cool enough. But then... I think two years ago, my mom told me that we once had a visitor from Iran, so a little kid, and she looked white. So she was she could easily pass as white, but obviously she she didn't speak German. So my mom said that at one point I was like, "Mom, please tell her to stop speaking Persian because they will know that we're foreigners," you know. And then my mom was like, "Well, Diba." Nobody thinks she's a foreigner because she looks like them, but they will definitely think you are one, even if you speak German. So when she told me that, I realized that even back then, I knew that this wasn't just some sort of popularity contest that I didn't pass, but it was more of of an issue with how I looked with my ethnic background because I didn't speak the same language, because I didn't look like them, maybe in some certain situations didn't act like them. So that was an issue. And thinking about it, I'm like, wow, it's crazy that even as a kid, you just know this is not about being, let's say, normally bullied, but this is more about some things that are deeper than that, that run deeper than that. Uh, So that was like a, a big, let's say, revelation to me when my mom told me that, to understand that even back then I knew that this was really about my ethnical background, about the way I look. Diba says that while she knew as a child that the bullying she experienced was not just bullying, it wasn't until she was in her early 20s and engaged in a scholarship for students with a migration background in Germany where they discussed issues around racism that she started understanding and calling the bullying she went through as racism. Just being there for the first time and talking about those issues 
and talking about the obstacles that people of color face in Germany, even if they're fluent in German, even when they completely identify as German, that was an eye-opener. And I think that was the first time when I realized that was racism. And I cannot just call it bullying or people were mean to me. And I think up until then, I would actually always call it like that. But that was the moment when I realized this was racism. And for the first time, I think I felt comfortable saying that. But also, I never really spoke about that. It was super difficult. And really, just until recently, I think just last year, for example, I told my friends why I didn't like to celebrate my birthday party. Because they were always wondering, like, why don't you want to have a party? It's your birthday. Let's go out. And I told them, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't have friends. They hated me so much. Nobody would show up to my birthday party. So Ever since then, I have this fear inside of me that I invite people and they will not show up, you know. So it took me 20 plus years to talk about it, even about those tiny incidents that happened, you know. Or I also remember one time that it wasn't just verbal, but it actually became physical, you know. I remember that they started punching me and stuff like that. So even that, it took me 20 plus years to talk about it, to even tell my sister, who's the closest person to me, so the one thing is realizing that it was racism or for the first time calling it that. But then after that, taking a couple more years to actually talk about everything that had happened. And I think even until now, I still can't talk about all of it because it, it's kind of painful. And in, in a way, it's also just so weird because I'm like, Diva, you were just a kid. Like, get over it. You know, this is what kids do. And don't take it personal. They didn't know. But it just so still very painful because it has determined so much of my life. After Dresden, Diba moved to Hamburg where she would encounter non-white Germans for the first time. She recalls how this experience would influence how she perceived her identity. I moved to Hamburg and we were living in a neighborhood with uh, a lot of people of color. So it was mainly people of color. And I remember when my first day at school in Hamburg, I was like, oh my God, these people look like me. Like, where is this? Is this Germany? Is that even possible? And so what that experience did to me was that I started to sort of reject anything that could be German. Like, I never said I'm German. I just, I couldn't say it. I would always say I'm Iranian, I'm Iranian, something that in Dresden I would never do. You know, I would always say, no, I'm German, I'm German, I'm German. But when I moved to Hamburg, being surrounded by people who, who were similar from their ethnical background to me, I just started to become the complete opposite from what I was in Dresden. And I also remember um, when I was, I think, in sixth grade, my teacher would say something like, oh, you are German-Iranian. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm Iranian. And she was like, no, you're German-Iranian. I was like, well, if... I'm German at all, then it would be Iranian German. So even that triggered me, you know, that someone would call me German, even though I didn't feel that way. So yeah, being in Hamburg, I really thought I don't want to have anything to do with this culture, with this country. I don't ad identify myself with this culture, with the people, even with the, with the state, you know, with the government, uh, with the authorities. I didn't feel like this was my country. And I also think, ironically, that this is maybe the reason why I became more interested in foreign politics and why I, at the end, studied international relations, because domestic politics in Germany was not for me, because I didn't care. 
I was like, this is not my country. I don't have, I just live here, basically. I go to school here, but that's pretty much it. I don't want to have anything to do with this country, so I'm not interested in domestic politics. A few years later, Diba's family moved to a new neighborhood. More specifically, a predominantly white neighborhood. Here, Diba would learn to navigate different worlds. The world of people of color and the world of white people. So when I was in eighth grade, we moved to another neighborhood. And there, I had the Dresden situation all over again. So everybody at my school was blonde, blue eyes. And we really just had a few people of color there. And I remember when I, on my first day at school in eighth grade, I was shocked again. I was so scared because I was like, oh my God, I'm here. This is Dresden all over again. I cannot do this. I cannot. And the kids, in the beginning at least, they were pretty mean to me. They also started to ignore me. I mean, it's my first day and nobody comes up to me to even see what my name is or to just to know what I did in the past or I don't know who I am. So in the beginning, they also thought that I wasn't smart. You know, they would make comments like stupid Turkish girl, even though I wasn't Turkish. But usually when you have this sort of Middle Eastern look, they assume you're Turkish. So what happened then was, so that was like for the first two weeks, I was crying every day, telling my mom, please take me back. I don't want to go to the school. I have to go to my old school. I cannot deal with these people. But then I was quite good at school. So once they noticed, okay, she, she's not dumb, she's smart, or maybe, I don't know, she's nice, she's friendly, you can talk to her, she speaks German, then they kind of changed their entire attitude. They became nice, they talked to me, I met a lot of friends. So then it was also interesting in a way to be in this in-between world, because I knew how it was only being with people of color. And then I was in this new setting where I was mostly with white people. So picking basically the best of both worlds, this is what I did at the end. I realized, okay, it's it's nice here as well. I like these people and they treat me nice. They were a bit racist in the beginning, but they're not once you show them that you're just like them. So maybe that's how it changed. My high school experience was pretty cool. I had a great time. I had a lot of friends, but also looking back at it, I never, I never like uh, was the one who said I'm against racism. Back then, we didn't even use that word. You know, racism was something that a racist is someone. And I think I heard it in your first podcast episode. It's someone who basically like Hitler, you know, this is what a racist is. It's not a normal person going to school. You cannot be a racist like that. So I remember I wouldn't really talk about it, but I was always the one who was advocating for being nice to each other, for not making, you know, hateful comments or remarks about uh, the way someone looks, about the heritage, you know, the cultural heritage of someone, because we had some kids who would do that. And I was always the one who would just speak out or speak up about it, probably because of my experience in Dresden, because I knew what that meant. And I was also always the one who would defend others, especially persons of color. So when I saw that um, like a person of color was being picked at, I was always the first one to defend that person. Because I was like, hey, you cannot treat someone like that. What's, what's going on? Growing up, Diba says she considered herself Iranian-German. However... Her perception of her own identity changed when she visited Iran at the age of 23 as a full-grown adult and self-reflective person. I was 23 years old and I moved to 
No, I didn't move. I, I actually, I just visited Iran. I visited my family there. And then I was there for four weeks, six weeks, I think. And I mean, I, I love that country. You know, I love the culture and everything. But for the first time after, I don't know, 20 years probably, for the first time I realized this is so different from what I'm used to. And everything that I criticized was so German about me. Like, oh, it's not structured here and people are not on time. You know, those typical German things. And also, I don't know, some values that I that were just so normal for me, like freedom and uh, saying whatever I want, doing whatever I want, all those things. And then I, I think for the first time realized I'm German. I'm German. Like, I cannot reject that part of me and it's fine it's just fine and it's okay I don't have to be so sensitive about it and I should just embrace it and that was yeah at the age of 23 so 20 years after moving to Germany I kind of came to that realization and that was a game changer as well because being in a country that I've lived in my entire life and for the first time feeling like a valuable part of the society for the first time feeling like this feeling of belonging, but for the first time also just being confident in a way in my skin and embracing this identity. That was a really good feeling and it changed a lot because it, the way I talk about Germany has changed. The way I feel in this country has changed. The way also I that I'm interested in German society and the politics and domestic politics, you know, and how I also think that I just like everybody else has the right to be an active member of the society and to actively change certain things if I don't like them, you know? So this is this experience when I was 23 in Iran, this was a real game changer. And I think it was a very important experience that I, that I had and that changed my life a lot to the better, definitely to the better. Diba is a co-founder of Diversity, an organization that seeks to diversify the German Federal Service. She reflects on her journey in co-founding it. I worked at the German Foreign Ministry for two years, and there I met some super cool people of color, actually. And we then founded um, a network called Diplomats of Color because we all had some situations where we felt like we were being discriminated against because of our ethnical background. And we didn't really know who to go to because there was no office, like no diversity office or anything to go to. And we also didn't have a space where we could just talk. So we kind of met, like I knew someone, he knew someone, she knew someone, like this is basically how we all met. And then we talked about it and said, hey, you know what, if there's no like an office or some structural or institutional setting where we can go to and talk about those issues that we have or about the experience that we make, but also where we can, where changes are kind of being made, then maybe we have to be that place. So then we found a Diplomats of Color and on the one hand, try to be a safe space for people of color in the foreign ministry, but also try to actually talk to leadership and to raise awareness on those issues and, you know, explain to them how it is as a person of color in a foreign ministry, what is going right, what is going wrong, those kind of things. And out of that idea, we kind of came up with the idea of diversity. So diversity is not focused on one ministry as, for example, diplomats of color, but diversity is focusing on the entire federal civil service. So 
what we have done at the foreign ministry, we're basically just stepping it up and now taking it to the next level and to the overarching level. And what we do is on the one hand, we support employees in the different ministries to form those networks like diplomats of color, you know, because we think it kind of matters that the change comes from within because it's a difference if I, you know, as an external person go to a ministry and say, hey, people, you have to change. But it's a complete different thing if someone from the inside actually says, hey, you know what, this and this and this happened. And I'm not the only one, but actually we can see a pattern. I think it's time to change to become more diverse. So that's the one thing. And we also try to connect those networks with each other so that they can share best practices with each other, share their experiences, and so that they can learn and kind of have this place where they can also talk safely to each other. And the next thing is this, you know, entire awareness raising thing, because we realize we actually need to talk to people in the HR department, because those are the people who kind of have to change something. And we have to talk to them to, on the one hand, to see what are the structures? Do they have a diversity officer? Do they have an office for that? Or do they only have one single employee responsible for that? Or do they have an employee responsible for for another topic who has to do this entire diversity topic on top. So last year, we were really busy having talks or conversations with all of those people in the ministries. And the second step was sort of to also raise awareness. So to make them understand why, for example, why diversity our organization is needed and what the German civil service is lacking and how they could improve and also how we could assist them. So raise awareness when it comes to the ministry level, but also raise awareness when it comes to the wider population, because diversity has become a big issue now in Germany but not necessarily when it's about the federal civil service. So this is something where there hasn't been a huge focus, or at least not an organization, only focusing on that. So we tried with events and, you know, network events and and also some presentations that we give, we try to raise awareness on the lack of diversity in the federal civil service. And the third aspect that matters to us, which is, I would say, the long-term goal is to actually have some legal changes and to have some structural changes. So to have a law that, for example, makes it mandatory to have a diversity officer, someone who's responsible for all diversity dimensions, not just for gender, you know, those kind of changes, because we think there has to be structural change. And there also has to be a change in the representation, because Right now, we have around 26 persons with a so-called migration background in the German society, but in the civil service, it's only 12%. And those people, usually, when you look at the hierarchy, they usually tend to be in the middle or lower levels. So you don't really see any person of color being in a leadership position, being a head of a unit or being a head of department. And this is something that, or discussions that we have also started to talk about that, like, is do you think it's normal that you don't have a person of color who is the head of a unit? Even like just head of a unit, we don't really have that. We don't see those people. So representation matters. And this is something that we also try to, in the long term, change. Diva shares one experience she and a colleague of hers went through at the foreign ministry. I was in a, in a workshop at the foreign ministry And I was just sitting there and then talking to two other employees. Like, I didn't know them. One of them was actually the head of of a unit. So she was in a leadership position. And then I think 
this one colleague just told me, wow, I think it's great that we now have um, a bit more diversity in the foreign office. I think it's good that we become more diverse. And then I look at him, I was like, yeah, I think so too, but I think it still takes a lot of time until the foreign ministry will represent the diverse German society that we have. That was all I said. And he was like, yeah, you're right. And then this woman was like, well, but I don't want the Sharia, like the Islamic law. I don't want that here. And I was so shocked. Like, we didn't talk about Islam. I never said anything about it. And why would you bring it up? And like, I was just, I was so... I was shocked, really, I was. And then I just looked at her and I mean, I didn't know what to say. And I just looked at her and I was like, well, we don't even have that law in Germany. So I don't really know what you're talking about. And then I think she became aware of what she said and she didn't spoke to me. She didn't speak to me after that. And I mean, we had that workshop for an entire week and she stopped talking to me. She didn't look at me after that. And I feel, felt so uncomfortable. And I just went through the, basically to the, how do you call it? I just looked up all the units and departments that we had just to know who I could go to and address that issue. Because I thought, wow, this woman is in a leadership position. If if she can just go around and say whatever she wants, that's not okay. You know, she made me feel uncomfortable. What she said was hurtful and it was racist, you know, because we didn't speak about religion. We didn't speak about my religion. I never told her that I was a Muslim. Why would she say something like that? And that's when I realized, okay, there is no no one to go to no one to talk to and yeah and the others kind of made the same same experience and there was actually one colleague and that's pretty tough too because when you in a foreign ministry there are many international diplomats all the time or many people from different countries you know who come there for a conference or for a meeting or whatever so once i think there was a conference in the foreign ministry and one person a, a black diplomat from germany who organized kind of this conference, he wanted to enter, you know, he wanted to go inside the room. And then this white German diplomat told him, oh, the service entrance is over there. Because he was black, she thought that, you know, he was just a service employee. Deba reflects on one particular feature of racism that makes it difficult to tackle. What is also interesting when it comes to racism, it's subtle. It's very subtle. So even when you make those experiences, you know, like the one that I made, for example, because I was thinking, even if there was an office and I just went to that diversity diversity officer and told them, hey, this happened to me, would they understand it? Would they get it? Or would they also say, oh, well, you know, she maybe really is concerned about the legal system in Germany. Like it could have been the answer that that person would have given me because it's very subtle. And how can you explain, especially to a white person, that this is not just just one tiny remark, but this is like a, a lifelong pattern that you have sort of noticed, you know, because basically your entire life you had made so many experiences that are similar that are so subtle that if it's just a one-time thing, yeah, maybe it's really not nothing, you know? But if it happens all the time, then it's a pattern. And you notice because you just know it. But how can you explain it to someone who is maybe not being discriminated against or who doesn't know this entire history that you had, for example, in Germany? So this is also what is interesting. And I think this is also a reason why many people just don't speak up because they're like, well... 
you just ask me where I'm from, or they just said this, they just said this, whatever. It's, you know, what should I say? Who will understand it? Because it's so subtle. It's not this in-your-face remark. It's usually not. Diba shares another example of subtle racist remarks she gets as a non-white-looking German. One thing that I hear a lot is that, oh, you're from Iran, so you're probably cold all the time because, you know, the weather in Germany is cold. So they, just because I was born there, they think that I cannot, like, stand the cold. It's just so weird. Or when it becomes warm, you know, the weather is hot. They're like, oh, well, you're probably used to it because you're from Iran. And it's just, just because I was born somewhere doesn't mean that I'm, I feel comfortable with the heat, you know? And this is subtle. Again, this is really subtle, but it just... Like, even like just to think about it, it's like so weird to say that or to assume something like that. So this is one situation. Then just like, I think that was like two years ago. And I remember it because it was so weird for me as well because it hadn't happened in a long time. So when it happened again, I was just a bit shocked and I didn't know what to say. But I was in a cafe here in Hamburg, actually. And it was in a neighborhood, you know, with, let's say, where a lot of, more affluent people live, white people. And I was in a cafe and obviously only one looking like I do. And then when I was going out, this guy comes to me, an older man, and he's like, he was just talking to me about something. I don't know what. And then he was like, oh, so where are you from? I was like, well, from Germany. And he was like, no, no, where are you really from? I'm like, I'm from Hamburg. And he's like, oh, really? But where are your parents from? And then I'm like, okay, well, I cannot lie about that. And I was like, well, they're from Iran. And so, oh, okay, you know what? I once had a had an Iranian colleague and she was so nice. Those Iranians, they're different. They're different than the Turkish people. And, you know, they, they, they say it to be nice, but what what is it? Like, A, not every Iranian person is the same. Two, why should Turkish people be any less than Iranians? And three, why are you constantly asking me about where I'm from? If I... Once say I'm from here, then I say the second time, then maybe you should, you know, get a hint and just stop it. So those kind of things, that was like uh, one thing that really, I don't know, it really made me uncomfortable. And because at that point, I was already having a lot of those discussions around racism. I was so, I was just super aware of what was going on. And I think if it, for example, had happened six, seven years ago, I would have just answered normally and not say anything or maybe even be proud that someone thinks that Iranians are better. But since I was so aware of those issues, it just sensed everything that he said. I just could feel everything that he said. That is like, yeah, maybe also just to show how much awareness matters in a way. Against the background of her experiences, Diba has the following to say about what she thinks it takes to be anti-racist. It's not enough to just post something on social media. You actually have to do the work. You have to read the literature. You have to talk to people who are victims of racism or any kind of discrimination. You have to just have those conversations. You also have to reflect on yourself a lot because you cannot just say, well, I'm a nice person. I would never do anything like that without actually reflecting on everything maybe in the past that you did that could have been insensitive or racist. So all that, I think, is necessary to be an, an anti-racist. Maybe even that is not enough. I cannot say, I don't have, like, I would say the answer to it, but I think showing up, doing the work, reading the literature, having those conversations, questioning yourself and everything that you do and how you interact with people, all that is necessary to 
to at least become closer to becoming an anti-racist person. I don't know if we will ever achieve that in a way. I don't know if that is possible because I think it's such a long process. And I don't think I pers personally will ever live in a society where I will experience that. But I think that if we don't become aware of those issues, if we don't talk about it, if we don't also become aware of the entire system, because it's a system, you know, if we don't become aware of all of that and how it all kind of plays into our lives, then we cannot change anything. So that's important. Just show up, talk to people, read the literature, do your homework in a way. Um, and don't just, you know, read some things on social media. That's not enough. Just actually sit down, do the work. You can find more information about diversity, as well as other articles, books, and videos Diba recommends people to take a look at on racism on our website, www.ourcontext.org. You can also find the transcript of this episode on our website in English, French, German, and Italian. If you have a personal story to share, reach out to us on our website, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us by typing in hashtag our underscore racism. This is Fumi and Hashagar Racism. See you next month on July 6th. This episode was produced and edited by me, Fumi. Introductory score by Luca Nioi. Other music by Pete Morse, Crescent Music, and Fugu Vibes. A big thank you to Diba for her time and energy in going down memory lane and reliving for us some of her painful memories and sharing with us important reflections on this issue.